Chapter Ten of Peggy Raymond's School Days by Harriet Lummis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Ten, Amy in a New Role. The first few days of school after the Christmas holidays are the hardest of the year. The summer vacation is long enough so that all but the incorrigibly lazy come back to work with a real zest. But the girls found the Christmas recess too brief for them to become tired of frivolity, though many of them were tired with frivolity. There was so much to talk about, gifts exchanged, and good times enjoyed, that the mere thought of lessons seemed a presumptuous intrusion. In the cloak-room one morning Amy Lassell, under pretense of arranging her hair, listened as a group of first-year girls described their Christmas remembrances. High school freshmen are like high school juniors, except perhaps a little more transparent. Amy's eyes twinkled understandingly at her reflection in the mirror as the exchange of confidences went on. The freshmen were in a boastful mood, apparently. Each seemed anxious to give the impression that she was possessed of the wealthiest and most generous friends in the world, characterized, in addition, by infallible good taste. Estelle Burdick, on the outskirts of the group, had maintained an absolute silence till rose fletcher a flicker of malicious mischief flashing through her air of interest suddenly included her in the conversation i suppose mary and o'neil gave you something lovely estelle i'm sure she ought after all you do for her estelle prefaced her answer by a wan little smile oh yes it was very lovely but i didn't take much satisfaction in it for my present to marian was lost in the mail a little sympathetic murmur went the rounds. The girls gathered about the disconsolate speaker. "'Lost in the mail, Estelle? Why, what a shame!' "'Didn't you register it?' one girl inquired, with a business-like air. "'No, that's where I was so foolish. If I'd been sending it off to another state, I suppose I would have registered it, but it didn't seem as if it was necessary right in the same city.' "'Was it, Estelle?' rose asked the suggestion of mischief in her manner vanishing in view of the tragic disclosure her question had called out it was a bracelet just a little gold band you know perfectly plain and simple but awfully dainty estelle heaved a sigh marian must have been disappointed exclaimed a voice and estelle nodded yes of course but she minded particularly on my account i'm just determined to give her something to take the place of that bracelet and marian won't hear of such a thing Amy Lassell, standing before the small mirror, with her hands uplifted, was not thinking of her hair. Her face had become keenly attentive. A shrewdness, which was continually surprising Amy's closest friends, looked out of the eyes, studying the reflection of Estelle's unconscious face. "'She certainly has had bad luck,' said Amy to herself. "'Astonishing what bad luck some people have!' Her mind went back to the lost concert tickets, and an unreasonably strong conviction took the place of a suspicion that had haunted her for some time, without her realizing it. At luncheon Amy forsook her friends, and found a seat in a corner beside Estelle. The freshman was in a pensive mood due to the fact that her heart's idol was engaged in conversation with a number of her classmates and seemed unaware of her existence. Estelle returned Amy's diplomatic smile with interest. Amy was a junior, and her attention helped to solve the wounded feelings of the first-year girl. Amy commented on the barley soup they both had chosen. "'Of course I oughtn't to eat soup. Much too fat. Aren't you thankful you're slender and graceful?' "'Mother's always fretting because I'm so thin,' said Estelle, thinking that Amy was a most agreeable girl. 
that isn't why my mother frets and i like everything that i oughtn't to touch sweet things and chocolate and soups amy nibbled a wafer thoughtfully what a shame it was that the present you sent marian never reached her oh you heard estelle sighed yes that almost spoiled my christmas it would spoil mine you know that a bracelet that was meant for me was at the dead letter office or somewhere else that it ought not to be of course you've reported it no estelle said quickly it wouldn't do any good it might they send out something they call a tracer we've had things found that weren't delivered right it's different at christmas time estelle's manner had lost its pensive calm she was plainly nervous when the mails are so dreadfully crowded what's lost is lost for good well even if you never got your bracelet back you might have the satisfaction of knowing that the person to blame had lost his job just as happened the other time the other time estelle paled slightly what other time i don't know what you mean when your pocket-book was stolen you know of course you didn't get your concert tickets but they got rid of the woman and that was worth something isn't it queer amy rattled on her eyes fixed on estelle's face that a poor woman with little children should take such a risk she might have known they'd suspect her even if they couldn't prove anything i don't believe it estelle's lips were blue i never heard that any woman lost her place on account of that you ask peggy raymond peggy talked with the woman and she felt dreadfully sorry for her peggy's so sympathetic and the woman kept saying she didn't touch your pocket-book they always say they didn't you know then with a complete change of tone why estelle you haven't finished already estelle's white face answered for her even before she spoke why yes i'm not hungry to-day she rose and threaded her way among the tables looking neither to the right nor left gloomily amy applied herself to the consumption of her soup any one who likes this sherlock holmes job is a regular thing reflected amy is welcome to my share but i've got to put this through now i've started i mustn't give that poor little goose time to get used to the idea little as amy looked the merciless sleuth on this occasion she lived up to the requirements of that exacting part it was a little late when estelle left the school building that afternoon and the halls were empty though here and there a door opening into a classroom showed a teacher with one or two students at her desk apparently estelle was not in a companionable mood for instead of looking for some belated acquaintance she advanced with her eyes on the floor at the doorway a voice spoke her name amy lassell her smile a trifle resolute stepped out from an alcove and joined her going my way amy inquired no something in estelle's tone suggested to amy the intention of waiting to ascertain exactly what way amy planned to take and then selecting the other amy left the younger girl to set the pace and they walked for a block in silence see here estelle amy's voice was firm for all its kindness don't you think you'd feel better if you made a clean breast of it i don't know what you mean something in estelle's flutter made the older girl think of an impaled butterfly you're pretending to lose things you've bought for marian it isn't good for you you know and it gets other people into trouble too how how dare you say that poor estelle's effort at indignant defiance died away in a pitiful little squeak she looked about as if contemplating flight amy laid a pervasive hand on her arm i see just how it happened estelle you wanted to give marian nicer things than the other girls could and you didn't have the money i did too you haven't any right amy lassell it's none of your business how i spent my money and you thought continued amy implacably 
that if you pretended to buy expensive concert tickets and lose them you'd get just as much credit as if you'd really done it and it might have worked once your mistake was in trying the second time there was a terrifying assurance in amy's manner in her judicial consideration of the question involved the foolish little freshman tried to face her down but her eyes wavered and fell before amy's steady gaze the protest she was about to speak died upon her lips her answer came at last in a flood of miserable tears oh dear thought amy quite as wretched as the silly girl whose fraud she had exposed if only peggy was here peggy would know just what to say to her there must have been some potent magic in her wish for as she raised her eyes she saw peggy approaching peggy waved her hand in as cordial greeting as if she had not seen either of them for at least a week what snails you two are peggy cried blithely as she approached them i've done an errand for my mother since school and why what's the matter with estelle the freshman was crying violently now with her handkerchief to her eyes amy grasped her tightly by the arm and motioned peggy to take the other side estelle's in trouble amy explained as estelle was manifestly unable to speak for herself it all goes back to the way you seniors let the first-year girls squander their money to give you a good time i never did believe in it said peggy patting estelle's arm and looking appealingly at amy as if to suggest that the explanation had better be deferred to a more propitious occasion but disregarding estelle's sobs and peggy's significant glances amy went on steadily estelle couldn't do as much for marian as she liked and so she pretended i really meant to buy those concert tickets estelle broke out hysterically i asked her to go and i meant to take her but papa wouldn't give me any money nor mamma and i couldn't earn it concert tickets peggy repeated tersely her thoughts flew from the sobbing girl beside her to a shabby woman in a black shawl oh i'm afraid i don't understand she couldn't buy them amy explained so she pretended that she had them in her pocket-book and lost them oh my poor woman peggy cried she said she didn't touch the pocket-book and it was true for the moment she had almost forgotten estelle estelle didn't know that was going to happen of course amy suggested excusingly of course she didn't or she wouldn't have done it for the world but the question is how are we going to make up to the poor thing for all she suffered unjustly i suppose dr radford estelle halted her slender figure suddenly rigid you're not to tell dr radford she cried shrilly if you do i'll say it isn't so if you do i'll kill myself peggy and amy exchanged glances overhead come home with me estelle peggy said persuasively we can't settle a thing like this on the street especially with you crying and everybody who goes by looking across at you we'll go up to my room where nobody'll disturb us and talk things over they boarded a street car for estelle was trembling so that it would have been cruel to ask her to walk and took the unhappy little freshman to peggy's home mrs raymond was out and the quiet of the house was favorable for heart-to-heart -heart confidences yet nearly two hours passed before the combined efforts of the two older girls brought estelle to the point where she was willing to take the step which would partially at least retrieve the wrong she had done but suppose dr radford expels me estelle demanded pitifully when at last her stubborn resistance had yielded to the earnest persuasions of the others i don't see how i'm going to live if i'm to be disgraced i'm pretty sure he won't do that said peggy encouragingly but anyway estelle it's not half as much of a disgrace to own up that you've done wrong as it is to keep on hiding it 
even if you're never found out estelle mopped her eyes with a wet little wad that had begun the afternoon as a clean handkerchief and moaned by way of reply she had a vague idea that peggy might be right but it was her firm conviction that a disgrace which could be successfully concealed was far easier to bear amy came to the rescue with a comforting suggestion better suited to estelle's present stage of development if you own up all of your own accord estelle i'm sure dr radford will appreciate your being so brave and plucky i don't believe he'll tell a soul peggy was inclined to think this probable there's no reason for any of the girls to know she said thoughtfully except of course marian marian cried estelle starting up oh i can't tell marian she would despise me and she would never have anything more to do with me oh i would rather die than tell marian it looked as if they would have to begin all over again especially as estelle was crying hard peggy sighed she felt a little tired of acting as a moral alarm clock for other people you'll have to decide that for yourself estelle she said though i will say that i wouldn't give much for a friendship that depended on my not being found out now come over to the washstand dear and let's see what water can do for you i never saw a redder nose after nearly two hours of incessant weeping estelle was a pathetic object her cheeks mottled her eyes swollen and her nose so inflamed that its return to a normal hue seemed too much to hope for between them they made estelle presentable for the street peggy lending her a thick veil which she sometimes wore in the very coldest weather they accompanied her to the door and saw her off calling after her with assumed cheerfulness that they would see her in the morning then they looked at each other and shook their heads do you suppose she'll do it amy asked i don't know even peggy's optimism quailed before estelle's vacillation if we'd taken her straight to dr radford and stood one on each side while she owned up it would have been all right but now i'm not sure but peggy's doubts did estelle less than justice the little freshman had proved herself weak and faulty but something in the pleas of the two girls she liked and respected had struck rock in her uncertain nature the following day dr radford had a long interview with a very pale freshman who did not look as if she had slept well and who left the principal's office at length swallowing her tears but with an unmistakable air of relief nevertheless amy had been correct in believing that dr radford would deal leniently with an offender who of her own accord made confession he talked to estelle with the frankness of a father and with something more than a father's authority and estelle crept out of the office at last penitent and humbled but with it all strangely light of heart the kindness of the principal encouraged her to go a step further and make concession to marian though when it came to the point of facing the girl she loved and had deceived her heart failed her you do it for me she implored peggy and and don't let her think any worse of me than you can help peggy was quite ready to accept the commission discreditable as estelle's share in the affair had been peggy was inclined to think that the blame had been about equally divided and it spoke well for her tact that when she had discharged her rather painful errand marian was inclined to take the same view i'm honestly afraid i'm as much to blame as estelle marian acknowledged if i'd stopped to think i'd have known that she couldn't afford to do so much for me but you know the seniors in the school are always trying to outdo one another in their string of freshman scalps of course i know it and i think it's time that ended let's put our heads together peggy suggested persuasively and see if we can put a stop to it 
the conference was a rather lengthy one but at its close peggy went to her home well satisfied that the leaven was working and indeed the folly of poor estelle had opened the way for a reform which was to put the friendship of the high school girls on a saner sounder basis and make it distinctly unfashionable for an older student to encourage a younger one in imitating the follies of a lovesick swain End of chapter 10